1: Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Blenderhd. If you want to follow me on Twitter, and it's Monday, so you know what we do on Mondays. It's Mondays with McCool, James McCool, Pay Dirt underscore DFS, the co-author with me of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. Uh, at uh, you could pick up at Theory of DFS dot com and joined uh with the with the chat as always right i see I, it's a pretty pretty light day pretty light day in the chat max cooper just joined oh good morning good morning people in the chat uh feel free to hit the thumbs up button give me those thummy thumbs give me the thummy thumbs hit the subscribe button if you're new here hit the notification bell to know when we go live okay now the chat now the chat's going through okay uh the alexander malkow says I want to purchase the Theory of DFS course for my pops. For your pops, can you speak to the course during today's show? Okay, well, I mean, if you watch the show each and every day, you'll know that we talk about uh, the DFS strategy, game theory, right? The numbers, how to play it like like it's a like it's a math game. So if uh, if you, you want to know more about it, just go to theoryofdfs.com. Feel free to watch as many DFS pregame shows. Feel free to you know go into our Roto Grinders Discord. It's it's what we talk about all the time, right? 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 James. 15 hours of me and you talking about everything you'll possibly need to know the, the concepts that separate the average players from, uh, from the, from the great players, but understanding that the great players, uh, don't, don't, especially in GPP, uh, don't win every week. And, uh, in GPP, I did, I, I didn't, I didn't lose all my money, but, uh, a cash made up for it. So I, I had a good week cash wise, uh, because, uh, I decided that Jeff Wilson
2: Jr. was a priority in cash. Yeah, there we go, there we go. Jeff Wilson Jr. the the hero. Um, I had I had an okay week. I lost like fifty bucks. Um, I, I actually
1: you, you cash one. You got one lineup right. I see this one sixty one point seven eight lineup in the power suite.
2: Pretty good one. Pretty good one. Um, overall, I mean, it was. I think that the week was pretty easy to break down. Like I had Buffalo and Arizona pretty far above everybody else in terms of like GPP stacks. Um, I even had Baltimore as the fifth best stack on the slate, which is hilarious, even with Tyler Huntley. But uh, overall, I mean, cash was was pretty easy this week as well, right? Like I'm trying to. It wasn't like, that. It wasn't that easy. I think. I think you had to make
1: some choices. Like my aggregate, like I I played in DK cash. Uh, in fan in FanDuel Cash, I played a very uh, my my I I played, I think I've literally played my aggregate. Yeah, yeah. So I played Murray Robinson, Elliott Parker, Johnson Adams, Gazicki, Wilson Jr. in the Cowboys defense. Okay. And that's what I did on FanDuel. So I I I did well on FanDuel. But yeah, on DraftKings,
2: I, I think the, the cash core that I came up with, Devontae Parker, James Robinson, Devontae Adams, Christian Kirk, Tua Tagliova, and Deontay Johnson. That, that's what I would have had in, in cash as a break. And then, like, I don't know. I I probably would have gone with Jeff Wilson. I'm, like, going to look at where I had ownership. I would have wanted Debo Samuel. I don't think I could have afforded him. It probably would have been Miles my- Gaskin. I think that one made sense. Probably would have been... I don't think I could have afforded Stephon Biggs. But Jeff Wilson, Brandon Cooks, and Miles Gaskin would have been there as well. Okay, because my aggregate... Uh, had Amon Ross St.
1: Brown, which, which he came up well in my aggregate. I mean, I played him in GPP. I played him with my my Kyler Murray stacks. I played uh, I played Reynolds. Yeah, you could have played either. But, I mean, you could have, I mean, they both yeah, it, played golf, right? It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, that, like, for cash games, like, when people say, like, ownership in cash games, mm-hmm. like, doesn't matter. Oh, just build the best lineup and it doesn't matter. I don't necessarily agree with that depending on if you have to choose between multiple lineups that are within a point or so of projection, I lean more towards playing the construction that has the most ownership, right? James, a lot of times you optimize by trying to optimize for ownership rather than fantasy points. That's exactly right. Right. So I look at this lineup and I go, who is going to be popular that at least projects well, and that typically, the guys that are going to be popular project well enough but they may be one point lower in my aggregate versus versus the field but the field is just going to play them anyway uh I'd, I'd rather not sacrifice that i'd rather sacrifice the point to gain the ownership i knew gabriel gabriel davis was going to be chalk in cash yeah right so i look at my my thing here and i go no one's playing saint brown in cash i know that for sure yeah. uh and beasley probably not either they're going to play Davis instead of Beasley. So, what I'll do is that I'll look at this and I'll go, okay. Even though this is the highest median projected lineup, if I build a hundred lineups, the top one to the top hundred is like two points. Yeah. So it's like it, now it just comes down to like which one do I want to play? Okay. Now, if if I'm going to play a million slates, like I don't mind just playing the top optimal in my aggregate and just waiting till the end of my life and then showing a profit at the end. But if you're going to deviate, I'm going to deviate based on ownership and based on standard deviation. Yeah. So the standard devi- I, I want players that have a, have a tighter range of outcomes than a wider range of outcomes. So like, for instance, here, I look at this and I go, okay, well, I'm going to play Gabriel Davis in whatever lineup I play because I know he's going to be popular, right? I know Devontae Parker is going to be popular. So these are, this is a two cheap wide receiver build. I know Robinson's going to fit into every lineup anyway, but I'm just going to plug him in there. Then I press optimize. And then I get this lineup. So I get a Murray, Gaskin, Cook. I get Cooks here, Gaziki Adams, Bill's defense. Now I know the Bill's defense is also going to be the most owned defense. So I'm going to click them in. Okay. Now I look at this lineup and I go, not bad, but I'm never a big fan of playing Brandon Cooks with Davis Mills throwing the ball. What, I, what I, I try to avoid in cash games is playing players from bad teams. Yeah, Like Michael Carter projected decently. Brandon Cooks rejected decently. And it's like, do I want to live and die on a hill where I'm playing a Texan or a Jet? Right. No. I mean, I'll, no problem in GPP. So I look at this lineup and go, I, will, I, I, I really don't want to play Cooks, right? Is there a way for me not to play Cooks? So I'll X him out and then I'll run it again. Okay. Then I get the lineup that I played.
2: Yeah.
1: Murray Robinson, Gaskin, Davis, Parker, Deontay Johnson, George Kittle, Jeff Wilson, Jr. Yeah. Okay. Now I typically don't want to pay up that much for tight end. And uh, I don't have Devontae Adams in here, but like, I don't mind that that much because I'm just getting everyone that, that I, that I want. I'm not scared of Gaziki. And also once I start plugging in Gazicki, I got three dolphins in my line. Yeah. Is that, is that, is that a, is that a, is that a uh, I don't know. Do I want to rely on my entire slate on the dolphins? Maybe not. But I look at this lineup and I go, okay, I'm getting pretty much like 80% of the 49ers attacked who have a 28 total against the, against the Atlanta. Deontay Johnson's going to be popular, going to be like 40 plus percent owned and he's a target monster. So like, okay, I don't mind that. Gaskin, I don't care that much about. Yeah. Like Gaskin and Wilson, it's like, what do I do at the running back positions? This seemed like a slate where I'd rather just play two running backs. So, what I was considering at Lock, right before Lock, was do I play double tight end? Do I play Gazicki over Wilson? Because I knew Gazicki was going to be popular also and Kittle would be less popular. But looking at this at my projections, Wilson was projected uh for a, almost a point higher than gazicki and uh it avoided me having three dolphins in my life i could have also gone down from murray to tua yeah like if i go down from murray to tua where where is he where where did he go did i already exclude him yeah oh he's not even in here okay let's go, go. right can i get the little glitch over here if I put in Tua, I believe I get up to Devonte Adams.
2: Yeah, I think you go up to Devonte Adams from Deontay Johnson.
1: But I still have more money even for that. Okay, so if I click here, if I play Tua instead, right?
2: Yeah, there's Christian Kirk.
1: Yeah. Right, Christian Kirk, Davis Parker, Kirk Adams. So I don't have, I don't, don't have Deontay Johnson in my lineup, but I still have like the. Now I, I still, I still have three Miami players. Right. And then if I play Josh Allen, who's 200 more expensive, obviously I go down from the Bills to the Jaguars defense if I wanted to. But then I get Gazicki Adams and I leave six, seven, six hundred on the table and have Kirk in here. Right. I looked at this from a touch perspective. I believe that this lineup, not not considering whether or not Duke Johnson was actually going to be the lead running back for the Dolphins yesterday. I believe this lineup I jammed in the most amount of touches as well as played the highest owned players. The guy yeah. that if I had a choice, I wouldn't have played Gabriel. I thought Gabriel Davis was the the the, the shakiest part of this roster. I think like yeah. if I had a choice not to play Gabriel Davis, I would have in a vacuum other than the fact that he was like fifty six percent owned in cash.
0: yeah,
1: right? Adams was seventy and and my hundred dollar double up was 72% owned in cash. And then you probably think, well, why don't you want to play a 72% owned player in cash? Well, he's 8,900. Like, like the cheap guy is the guy that I have to worry about. Right. The D truthfully, the defense, I have to worry about, right. the high variance players I want, I want in cash games, typically given a choice and the lineups aren't, are, are fairly similar to one another. I'd rather eat the variant, the high variance play, chalk, and fade that in in GPP, because the high variance, like Gabriel Davis putting up 25 points yesterday, and me not having him at 3700 is much different than Devonte Adams putting up 35 at 8900. Right. I can make that up. I can't make up Davis or Parker. Right. So looking at this, it's like, well, I'm just, I'm just gonna block with Dave. His upside at his price, I can't find anywhere else. He could have easily just had a game that was three for 20. But that I, I, I don't lose because of that because so much of the field has it. Right. Devontae Adams, if he if he only puts up 16 points, I could win in a million different ways, right? With all these types of players. So I mean, I know we don't talk about cash that much on this show, but it's like I played a lineup that was nowhere near the top optimal based on my aggregate in the top 50. But the thought process behind who do you choose? Like I looked at my FanDuel lineup and said, it's exactly who I want to play. I mean, I'm able to get everyone in. I'd love, the only thing I would, I wanted to play Kittle instead of Gazicki. but there was really no way for me to do it while still maintaining all, all, all the players that I needed to have. Like I needed to have Robinson. I needed to, Wilson on FanDuel, much easier to play. I just looked at this lineup and said, I got everyone. Other like I, The only person that could burn me would be Kittle. And he's an expensive player, so I'm not. I'm not. And he's that tight end, yeah. So like, I'm. I'm rarely going to get burned in cash by an expensive tight end. So that that was my that was my cash process. But obviously, me prioritizing Davis and Parker in cash didn't have much in GPP, and that and that that didn't do me very well. When the cheap shock receivers get there, I'm typically not going to have. Yeah, Kirk got there also, even though I had Murray stacks. Uh, like I played, uh, James, when I played Davis, I only played him with Allen. Mm-hmm. I only played Parker with Tua and I only played Kirk with Murray. So I think I may have played one lineup with, without, I played like a Kirk St. Brown secondary stack, but like my line, my, I built 20 lineups and, uh, obviously I had them in all single entry stuff, but I threw them in the, the Millie or 18 lineups, I guess. And, uh, not many did that well. I mean, I had some real duds. I had Ben Roethlisberger, right? I'd rather it be this way. I'd rather look at a lineup and be like, "Yeah, this lineup is like barely going to score seventy points," mm-hmm. rather than have a whole bunch of liners that are sitting at like one ten and off the cash line, yeah, right? Yeah, right in the middle. So yeah, I played a I played a bunch of like Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Ceedee Lamb type of one offs. T Higgins, uh, Jamar Chase. I played a bunch of Devonta Freeman. That didn't work out even though the Ravens did well, but Huntley did work the passing and right. I mean, he was, he was Lamar Jackson pretty much yesterday, but, uh, but yeah, so my GPPs, uh, not so hot. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not complaining about my decisions. It's just that when I'm not playing Davis or Parker or Kirk really as one offs, mm-hmm. like where, like my one-offs, like Jerry Judy, zero, like that didn't like that got me nothing. Yeah. Right. But I'm looking here, like Murray, Ertz, Kirk, St. Brown, great. But then Amari Cooper's sitting here with two points.
2: Yeah.
1: Right, T. Higgins, four points. Like, like I'm going off the board. I mean, 9% Cooper, it's 6% Higgins. When I was looking for those single-digit type of one-offs. So here, here's a 2 a lineup that I played Parker and Gazicki, but I got different by playing Zeke and Crowder in the line. Like, Crowder is a run back. And playing Devonta Freeman at 4.9% though. Yeah. Like, that they, they, they didn't get there. I can't believe Debo was 20% owned. I'm so tired of Debo. I mean, he didn't really get there. 18.9 isn't really...
2: No, he, points. he, he took another one of my
1: touchdowns
2: from Jeff Wilson.
1: And he, it was a regular running play. It wasn't even, like, one of these, like, reverses or anything. Oh. It was it, literally just a counter, just like, Debo's lined up as a running back, and he runs just in between the guard and the, the tackle, and like, okay, they, I guess they're just running Debo as a running back.
2: Running. He has seven rushing touchdowns on the year.
1: Is that the most rushing touchdown for a wide receiver ever
2: in a season? It's It's got to be close. I don't, I don't understand. Like, I, I keep saying to myself, and I said it yesterday in the Discord, I was like, yeah, I'm going to play, I'm going to prioritize Jeff Wilson Jr. because, like, he's getting the usage. He's getting, like, plenty of touches. It's still the best running team in the NFL. Like, they're a big favorite over a bad team. Like, I'm just going to keep playing Jeff Wilson Jr. until he pays off. Uh, And then I said, and he was
1: lower owned than I thought. I mean, because people got, people were scared of Debo and they came, more people played, more people played Michael Carter. Yeah.
2: Oh, he was 27%
1: owned in the Power Sweep. It's weird. The Jets had a 16 point implied. That's what I said. I was like, San Francisco
2: had a 28 point implied. Even if you give him a 70 70 split of the rushing yards and touchdowns and like a 10 10 split of the receiving work, which like he doesn't even get receiving work when Zach Wilson is playing QB, he's to only projected for like 10 points or something but because they have, a, they have a 16 point total. What do you want from a running back in that spot? It was weird. Um, Did you only have him for 10 point, 10 point. I think. I don't know. Let me go check. Let me take a look. It was low. It was really low. Oh, I got rid of
1: Carter and Harris here.
2: Oh yeah I,
1: I have him for 12. Let me let me let me take a look. But
2: 12?
1: Yeah. I had him at 13.77. Okay. Yeah. In the aggregate.
0: It was but it still was I hard. mean it's
1: still like he it, his salary adjusted value was plus 1.6. I mean like I just his ceiling is non-existent. I mean like just like the, I thought
2: the, I thought, go for it.
1: No, I'm, ju- I'm just, I'm just, well, I'm, I'm just highlighting the fact, like, well, why, why would you rather play Devonta Freeman, and not play Michael Carter, even though Devonta Freeman doesn't is, is lower projected. Like, I had Devonta Freeman at twelve point five nine
2: at fifty five
1: hundred. Right. Yeah. Well, well, with Huntley in, Baltimore is more likely to to run the ball or dump off the ball. I mean, in general, uh running back fantasy performance ceilings are highly correlated with the the implied team total of the teams and the spread and the yeah but even just the the team total because ceilings for running backs typically come from touchdowns and a team with the higher implied team total is more likely going to be into scoring positions inside the 10 multiple times per game rather than the jets or like people play david johnson And I'm like, I ain't playing a Texans running back, right? Like, I I, I played like two lineups with Barkley, and I didn't even want to do that, right? But he sometimes lines up at wide receiver, so I don't mind that as much. Craig Reynolds got there. I mean, who knows? I mean, that game was just flipped on its head. I I had a Craig Reynolds lineup. I, I think it was sharp yesterday to play. I didn't to play Devin
2: Singletary when Moss was inactive. That was, yeah, that was an interesting thought. I I hate the Buffalo running back carousel, and I just well
1: that's the whole point. Like that, it it's not just the team total. It's also like, well, they're splitting it four different ways, and who knows yeah. what's going to happen. That's a different story. But when in doubt, I lean towards running backs that are on favored sides yeah. that are more likely to get touched. So I I look at I look at Jeff Wilson and go why? Like that's why Najee Harris really did not project that well. I mean the the slate for running back was was pretty bad outside of James Robinson
2: I have never seen my projections so low on running backs ever like I I was pretty shocked when I saw what the projections were coming up for running backs I didn't have a single running back projected over 16 fantasy points
1: oh wow okay but I I have I have a
2: couple I have three yeah three yeah I like I said I was shocked like I was I was blown away I had Javante Williams as my top overall running back Javante? Yeah. Why? It's weird. I, it's
1: just a weird. Uh, were you giving him more of a split with, with
2: even with Gordon in? Uh, I mean, I've had him, him and Gordon have been like, Gordon has been somewhere around like 50 to 55% of the rushing work and 40 to 45% of the rushing touchdowns. And then uh, Javante Williams ended up, he's usually around a 40 40 split, something like that. You got to give a little bit to Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but his his touchdown usage his his receiving usage like he's looked good over the last couple of weeks uh but so what did you have his projection I think I had it at like 16. Oh 14 for me okay you didn't even play him in any of your lineups well no because I didn't want to play I'm not going to play like that my my strategy this week was basically I want to be paying down at running back and mostly avoiding the chop. That was because I when when I see projections like these from running backs, like in my model, it's like, okay, well, if I think that every single running back is going to suck on the slate, I just don't want to eat bad chalk. I was fine with James Robinson. I had James Robinson projected pretty well. Um, so I did have him in one lineup, but like I had Craig Reynolds. I had um, Jeff Wilson Jr. I had Cordell Patterson. Mm-hmm. Like I I pretty much just tried to avoid what I considered to be terrible chalk across the board. Um, It didn't seem like outside of Robinson, there really wasn't like chalk, chalk, card. I mean,
1: Carter. Carter in the power sweep was 24.79%
2: owned. I was pretty shocked by that. Well, you played him in one lineup. I had him at 16%. I was okay at 16%, but 25% now.
1: Well, look at Gabe Davis. He was 25% owned in the power sweep also. Yeah, I didn't have Gabe Davis projected that high either. What did you have? What did you have Davis at?
2: Well, no, I mean like in terms of ownership. I had him, I had him at uh I had him for a projection of 13, but only at 15% ownership.
1: Nah, no, nah, he was gonna be 20 plus. Yeah, that 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 was easy.
2: Well, yeah, and, and like I figured that he was gonna be high owned, but like I don't usually like to go in and touch the back end of like the, the ownership algorithms. So like when I see 15, obviously you and I look at that and we're like, okay, yeah, I, I know that he's gonna be higher owned than that.
1: Just yeah. like Parker, like I knew like Parker's gonna be like ridiculous yeah, yeah. 34% on in the mill the million 34% on res- like that that's why I'm not playing him outside of a two stack like I just like I'm, I'm if he burns me he burns me like do, we, do I have a, do I have an Allen lineup here what was let's see let me go through Allen D- Dave oh Davis was 18.98 in the Millie maker okay so my projection wasn't that far off on that. no it wasn't that, it wasn't that far but davis was obviously higher owned in the higher stakes yeah yeah well, and maybe. that's
2: why you and i have to think a little bit differently about the ownership stuff when we do play like the higher stuff than you have right, well that's why i looked at the davis ownership it's like like yeah
1: 18 in the milli but 25 in the power Like i'm not I'm i'm just not gonna play a one-off like that like for yeah, that pro, I, I'll up I, when, when when there's other guys when i i play i play you know who i played a bunch of Albert Wilson I don't hate
2: that at all I think that's a good decision that's smart I mean no, other than the fact that, that, that Parker got the touchdown but nice I figure I've,
1: well, the, the thing is that I figured that Wilson did not project poorly didn't project great but with Gaskin with Gaskin and Parker and Gazicki being jockey enough mm-hmm. it's like how, how, how do the how do the Dolphins get there who puts up the ceiling like how about the slot the little slot receiver albert wilson i didn't realize that it was duke Johnson's season <laughs> finally people have been asking for it seemingly for three or four years they got it and, and he was put i think in the milli, he was 0.1 percent owned. like a like
2: a legend yeah it, like he, it, he
1: wasn't in the winning lineup or anything
2: it was a it was a really I, I think that like i was saying at the beginning of this like i think that it was a pretty like kind of telegraphed week I did kind of the same thing where a couple of weeks back we had Tampa Bay and Buffalo like as the marquee game on the slate and I kind of like in that week I just kind of forced in Tampa Bay and Buffalo players in every in all three of my lineups um, I did kind of a, the same thing this week with Buffalo and Arizona because like e- every other game was just so trash we didn't we had two games above a 45 over under Right. no games above a 50. And no like, games above 48. It, insane this week. And that's that's why, of course, the projections that I had for running backs and for wide receivers were like way low, it was because like the over-unders for Vegas were just terrible. But Buffalo and Arizona were the only teams that projected well that had good value. Like no DeAndre Hopkins gives Christian Kirk and AJ Green a significant boost. Um, Buffalo is Buffalo. After that, I guess you probably could have looked at Green Bay. I had a Pittsburgh lineup, because mostly because of Deontay Johnson and because um, Pittsburgh is so pass-heavy in the red zone. But then after that, it's like, I'm not playing San Francisco stacks, and I think it's silly that anybody has been. Uh, I'm not touching Atlanta, Detroit, Houston, Tennessee, Carolina, New York Jets, Denver, Giants. I was okay with the Dallas stack, but they ended up not projecting well anyway. I was OK. I, pl- I played play them play. regardless. I didn't mind ceiling. I didn't mind Dallas. I, I mean, I, they, they do have the capacity to end up getting there, but the thing with Dallas, and this year especially, is that if they haven't needed to put their foot on the gas, they're just not going to. I was hoping yeah. that the game was competitive. You were hoping it was competitive with Mike the Net Glennon at QB for the Giants? Who knows? oh bro that's that's a bad business decision I think I like who knows have...
1: it was it was such a low scoring so low scoring totals that do I need 50 a 50 to 35 game no I did just like just give me give me yeah. four Dak touchdowns and then then they I mean like I get it no. right I mean it, it, it wasn't sacrifice like the opportunity cost on stacks this week was not like dramatic you wanted I, to play I, off the board stuff I played Ben Roethlisberger for crying out loud so did I um, okay so that, I, that so don't don't make do oh my god know, like the cowboys that with amari cooper Ceedee lamb michael gallup right. dalton schultz
2: my my horrible here, but my but ben roethlisberger and john claypool and like my point here was not that dallas would not be able to put up points my my point of saying it was a bad business decision was that i didn't think that it would be competitive at all that that was the point that i was trying to make there and i said it on stream and i said it on the video um that morning that I didn't, I didn't think that you really needed to – if you were not game stacking Buffalo or Arizona, I don't think that you needed to do game stacks this week. I wouldn't have prioritized them. If I have played Dallas, I'm not playing anybody from the Giants. If I would have played Cincinnati, I'm not playing anybody from Denver. Like, if I play there, – there were multiple stacks where, like, I just didn't think that you needed to play anybody back. Well, you didn't have to play anyone back from
1: Buffalo, even though I played DJ Moore because I thought DJ Moore was a good play.
2: Yeah. And I played DJ Moore as well. I thought that he was okay because he'd been getting like eight, nine, 10 targets since Cam Newton came back. That's fine. But like, I think, yeah, but the Jets, learned, like, like I, 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 the, the fact that I'm like, okay, the only reason I
1: played a Crowder is because my, like playing Tua plus Gazicki plus Parker was just such a popular combination
2: that you needed to get different with
1: it. Right. That it's like, how do I get different? Do I get different with a one-off or do I get different? If I'm going to play a 5k level receiver, why don't I just play Crowder and just hope this game is, is much more competitive? Especially since Michael Carter was going to be po- Like I would think think that more people are going to play Carter as the run back. So cool. it's like, let me play Crowder. Okay, done. You know, like I I I, I didn't play Reynolds because I just thought Amon Ross St. Brown was going to be low enough owned. He mm-hmm. projected too well, and I'm just like, all my Murray stacks are basically Murray Kirk Brown. Like, and and Murray. I mean, dude, what's what's the coaching in the NFL. Dude, I'm I'm annoyed about it. Is, is insane. Like the Cardinals lost that game. Like it it all came down kicking those two field goals. It comes down, pe- people don't question like oh the Cardinals that they they, they crapped the bed. It's like, no, no, they could have it's it's not a difference of whether or not they could have won the game. But I, I think what how I put it is that a lot of these coaching decisions are based around, uh, obviously based around and being able to justify them to mm-hmm. a dumb fan base. Uh, it doesn't matter if you, if you lose uh, 30 to 12 or 30 to 28. So it's like, but it would be much better to put yourself in position to be in 30 to 28 with 45 seconds left to go in the clock. Then uh, benching your starting quarterback because you're three touchdowns behind regardless and you've wasted so much time because you came down the field and on the three yard line kicking field goals yeah right like like and and then you get like staley for the chargers who i mean i see i whenever i see him talk i'm like this this is this is this is this is a good coach yeah right they came out they did the the correct things to increase their win probability went like oh for four on them And now he's like, well, why did you decide to do those things? It's like, well, because that helped that I'm going to do whatever it takes to increase the chance of winning. I also saw not to go on a rant that, I mean, we talk about the commentators being idiots also when, when it's fourth and one on the, on your, on your opposing 40 yard line and Pete and they say, and the commentator goes, they're going to take a gamble. Like dude, fourth and one is has like like a, a gain probability of like eighty percent. like that and 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 they're on the opposing side of the field when they're gonna instead of trying to attempt a fifty seven yard field goal, that a fifty seven yard field goal has less likelihood of of converting than a fourth and one. Yet they talk about, oh, I can't believe they're not getting taken or when they go down to it's not they're on the the six yard line, and it's fourth and six. And it's like I don't know why they're not taking the points. It's like because you because they have more of a chance of win. How how, what's the what's the completion percent, conversion percentage, of fourth and six from the for the fourth and goal from the six yard line? Well, it's over fifty percent. So would you rather get over fifty percent, get seven points, or would you rather ninety six percent of the time get three points? And the worst case scenario is. You, you don't get the touchdown and the other team has the ball with 94 yards to go. Right. Right. And most likely I would say 60 to 70% of the time, you'll get the ball back without them scoring at all. So like once you combine these things together, like the, these decisions should almost be obvious. And then we have Harbaugh like that, the whole thing with the Ravens with the not going for two and then going for two, like how James, you know it frustrates me so much how do people not get this how do, how do people not just get mad? like like i i i saw like why don't we just call analytics math right like it's like oh the if you if you were to say oh I, I did it because of addition like it's just addition it's not it's not this fancy they put it into a black box and it comes out oh go for it it's like no it's simply a, how do you want to win the game well you're going to have to you have to get it you have to get a touchdown a two-point conversion, and an extra point. The order in which you do that really does not matter. But you'd rather know if you need to go for two at the end before than after. they be put in a situation like they were where they could have kicked it to tie or gone for it to win. Well, if you, if you converted the, the two-point conversion first, you would have kicked the extra point to win the game right that would have been an easy decision at the end if you miss the two point conversion first you need to go for the two point conversion anyway to tie the game so like which in which progression do you have a higher win probability going for two the first time and then just kicking the extra point cuz you're going to still need another touchdown regardless like it just it boggles my mind when the team when, when they're down the, the two touchdowns, like, and the commentators are like, why are they going for two? It's like, it comes back to that same point of like, like that. Well, they want to keep it within a one score game. It doesn't matter if you lose the game by 50 points or two points, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. There's no goal differential. Right. In, 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 in football. So it's like, just do whatever the, it, it has the higher win. probably. How, how do people not get this by by now? James, like, and this happens on Twitter all the time, right? Obviously, we, we follow smart people, so it's mostly the smart people yelling at idiots. Yeah. But I re- I see some of the comments, and I go, it's addition. It we're not, t- it's it's literally addition.
2: It's not hard. It's just, it, what it is, is it's, uh, it's playing not to lose, right? Instead of playing to win, that's the adage where, Coaches and commentators and like these old heads in the NFL because the NFL is basically all old heads outside of like seven people in the and the TV broadcasters. Yeah, it's it's all terrible. Um, and all of them are basically like, oh well, if you do this, then you know it's it looks worse if it doesn't work, and it's like that's only because you're dealing with idiots who think that it looks worse. Like you you have to play to win. the The thing that frustrates me the most is when a team is playing like the chiefs or the bucks and they get down within the 10 and they kick a field goal
1: right you're not going to beat them that way because
2: these are the teams that are going to go for it all the time you think that you're going to beat the chiefs or the bucks with field goals most of the time like the chiefs or the bucks are going to hang 30 on you like most games most games Tom Brady is going to throw for five touchdowns and you want to take one of your few opportunities in the red zone to kick a field goal and get half the points that he's going to get after he gets the ball back and worse if you miss that field goal you're screwed like they're just going to eat you alive uh the 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 way that I see it I think that Any team that is willing to do whatever it takes to score the most points, not just score some points, but like the most possible points, not more than your opponent, like literally as many points you can possibly score. Those are the teams that are going to continue to well for the next five years. And any team like, we see it with the Broncos, we see it with the, uh, the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, right? We see it with the Jets, we see it with the Giants, like these teams that just have this Oh well, we we just want to try to lose gracefully if we're gonna lose. Like, no, dude, it, it doesn't matter. You don't get brownie points. For they losing. want to, They want to be able to have a justifiable loss,
1: right? But the, the thing... rather is, than win that rather than
2: than increase their chance of winning. If people were smart, then the justifiable loss would be going for two every single time. If you're right. down by twenty, that's a justifiable loss. At least hunting their
1: their teams. When when the when the cart when the Cardinals. They're down by 21, and they kick a field goal, and I'm just like, "What? It's it's four minutes to go in the third in in the third quarter. I mean, we're not talking about early in the game. Like, dude, you may only have you you need three scores to win, and you you may only have three possessions, and this is one of them, and now you put yourself in the position to need three scores. And
2: like, it's the freaking lions, dude. You're telling me that you, with Kyler Murray, and with, like, a good offense and a smart coach, and, like, you're supposed to be one of the best teams in the NFL, you're telling me that you don't think you can score on the Lions, so you're going to kick a field goal? That, that's your strategy here.
1: Go from 21 points down to 18 points down. What did that do for you? Awesome. That's still a 3 Nothing. Nothing. A three but it's Nothing. Nothing. But it's very similar to like it like in basketball i mean take a take a look at the the what what the teams are doing in basketball now like it seems like like mo- most of the teams get it now like you don't see teams taking elbow jumpers anymore right like like every everyone is coming close to playing like the rockets
2: Yep.
1: right it's just like either it's going to be it, even all our shots are going to be within six feet of the basket or within we're 21 feet of the basket right it's going to be either or nothing in between because the, 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 field goal rates, you either want a 90 plus percent field goal rate for two points, or you want a 40% field goal rate for three points, but there's no point in having a 48% field goal rate for two points by just moving up three or four feet. So like all those types of mid range jumpers or whatever are like, God, but you don't, you, the thing is, is that when when you watch the broadcasts and everything, and when you, you know, see, like, no one no one talks about, like, why are they going for too many three pointers? Like, that's never, is. have you ever heard that be a talking point in the NBA?
2: Actually, yeah. I saw somebody write an article about how Steph Curry ruined basketball because people take too many threes now.
1: Maybe uh, if you want to say ruin from an entertainment, ruin from something not related to winning. So that's there, one there thing, is one thing,
2: like, there is a little bit of an argument that I've seen a couple people make. And it's it's a dumb argument. It's not even an argument. It's just a stupid statement. But like people say, oh well, uh, if you take all these threes and you don't make them, then what happens? You're gonna lose the game. And it's like the same thing if you don't make that's the two not the <laughs> point man. <laughs> that's not the point. It's and it's one of the reasons why we see in the NBA we have so many more blowouts now, and it's because people are maximizing their their shot chances and their shot selection and stuff like that, which is good. The blots are not the problem in the NBA. Like if people want to complain and be like, Oh, well, the games are less exciting. It's like, they're, they they do not care. They don't care. They just want to win the game. Every single NBA game in history has come down to the last five minutes. Why do you watch the entire game anyway? Like outside of that, I would almost rather have a team blow out another team by 21 at, or like 26 or whatever before the fourth quarter and then i don't even have to worry about the last five minutes anymore now the game is already over so that's fine
1: i'd rather wa- i'd rather watch that than watch an 86 to 80 game that's played at a, a snail's pace right with I, with, 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 ha- with more than half the plays being post-ups
2: right yeah i i don't know like the the people who are like purists of of any sport the people who are purists of any sport are the worst so there's like, oh well, this isn't the way the sport should be played. It's like, no, that's because you're old and decrepit, and you don't think that fun things are fun. It's because you think that everything <laughs> is terrible, and you need to go sit down in your rocker. Like it's just old people being old people, and purist fans being the worst. That's all it is. But like, the
1: thing I don't get about the NFL is that the that the correct things to do are actually more entertaining, and the product sucks so much as it is. <laughs> that I'd much like who who shows up for a game and says I I I hope to I hope to see my both teams punt on their own 42 yard line with on fourth and four like who who shows up for that and they take the team that takes the delay of game penalty so they get more of an angle to put if you're taking penalties in order to get a better angle on the punt you probably should have gone for right (laughs) like right like who shows up what you want any any kid that plays like Madden, right? If you, if you if two two kids are playing Madden, no one punts. Like no one wants to. That no one goes into a game going go, I'm going to punt on the fourth and one so I could pin my opponent. No, they fake punts. People going for it fourth and eleven on their own on their own ten yard line. It doesn't matter. Like that may be a mistake, but but because it's more people the kids do it because it's more fun. When people play video games, they want to play for fun, and you'd figure that. In the NFL, why don't like, they just they just just eliminate extra points.
2: You, right? you want to know you, you ask who goes to a game and it's just like, yeah, punts and field goals and run and running plays. You want to know who likes that kind of stuff? Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll loves that. He goes to bed hard thinking about it. Like that dude is absolutely in the worst kind of games. And what, that's what the what, problem is that he's a
1: coach. What, what did team you, did I see? What team did it yesterday? Where it was, it was third and eleven. It was, it was, it was third and goal from the eleven, and they ran a draw play to the, th- and he got eight yards to the three. Then they called a timeout, and then they kicked the field goal. And I said, like, you whoever's in sure? charge of that sequence and events, it just like. Who wants to see that? How it's not only is it incorrect mathematically to do, it's also piss poor entertainment. All like, like, even just improving that, like, I don't why would you be against doing the right thing that is more entertaining? I can understand, like, for instance, in baseball, I get I get the complaints. The correct way to play in baseball makes the game much less entertaining. Absolutely. Okay. So I understand if the, the if the 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 mindset is playing optimally is just is, is is alienating fans because the game has become so much more binary and boring. So we don't want people to play in the optimal way to increase that. Now in the NBA, the optimal way is more exciting, right? And the optimal way in NFL is more exciting. Yet you, get, you still you still have the people that are talking about well all the you still have the. The same thing you, I, I mean, I heard it ten years ago, and I thought that was stupid. Like it's like these people just don't understand math and logic. Right. Of the team, the team, all the all the best, all the winning teams always have rushed the ball more. It's like, yeah, because because when they're up late in the game, they're going to run out the clock. Like it's 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 causation versus correlation.
2: Aren't you a grown adult? How do you not get this? You know what we should be talking about? We should be talking about teams that have high rush rates in the fourth quarter right not not overall like let's right. not let's that's at least a little talking, bit better yeah let's stop talking about teams that like oh the best teams always have the most rushing attempts it's like no 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 let's talk about how many rushing attempts teams have in the fourth quarter and let's judge teams based on that right because if you're rushing a lot in a fourth quarter you likely have a lead. You likely won the first three quarters. The other team has to be passing from behind. Actually, I'm going to go look that up right now. The also, time. the other thing is that when they talk about rushing attempts
1: in general, they're talking about a raw number and not a percentage. So it's like, yeah, the teams that have the most rushing attempts in a game are typically the winners because they have more plays in the game because they've, they've scored a whole bunch of times. It's like oh yeah this team ran the ball 30 times and they won yeah they ran 74 plays
2: 44 were passes all right here here is here is the list in the fourth quarter weeks 1 through 14 all the yardage included so the entire field the team with the highest pass rate in the league is the new york jets at 82% right because they're down all the time and then detroit mm. At 76, Houston, 76, Jaguars, 74, New York Giants, 73. Do we see a trend here? that the worst the team's pass. No, that, that you know, if I was Pete Carroll, I'd look at
1: that and go, it seems like the worst team's pass to me. <laughs> <laughs> he would. He would. Uh, right, the, so obviously lowest, you have to pass less.
2: The lowest pass rate in the fourth quarter across I'm, the entire league. I'm assuming Cincinnati. Arizona. I was Okay, forty-five percent pass rate overall, and that's still not
1: that high. That's no. still that, that's Cle- still not
2: that high of a rushing rate. Cleveland at forty-eight, and so okay. these these two teams that are the very rush heavy the are very heavy rushing teams. So Cleveland forty-eight, New England forty-eight pass rate, right. um, Indianapolis fifty-three. So all, already, like they are passing more than they are running, still in fourth quarter, and then Tennessee fifty-four percent. These are all teams with winning records. Indeed. Indeed they are. And then Cincinnati, Green Bay, Philadelphia, like, but you can see if a team has a really, really high pass rate in the fourth quarter, they probably suck. They probably suck. And that's because they're having to pass from behind and try to catch up. Like you can use some really, you don't even, you don't even have to abandon the, Oh, rushing teams have a winning record. Like you can keep that just specify now moving forward the fourth quarter or take it a step farther and be smart about it and say the teams with the highest pass rate in the fourth quarter are the worst teams in the league well can you they, can you look up the first quarter yeah i can so look up to teams with the highest
1: pass rate in the first quarter i want uh, to know the lowest pass. we're looking for the lowest pass rate in the first quarter
2: okay so i'm only going to include between the 20s because i want to take out the red zone here okay uh the team with the lowest pass rate in the first quarter is New England, 48%. Okay. And then Detroit. Carolina.
1: They're a losing,
2: a losing team. Carolina, losing team. Losing Denver, team. Losing team. Losing San team. Francisco, but they are the best rushing team in the league. league like they, yes. they are exceptional at rushing. And then Philadelphia. And then Houston, losing team, losing team. Washington, losing team, losing team. Chicago, losing team. And then Dallas. Uh Dallas is, has a very good running game, right? You're going to
1: see, you're going to see, you know, like the Browns, you're going to see things like that mixed in, but you're going to see predominant uh, in the first, if you're rushing the ball a lot in the first quarter, it doesn't, it doesn't connotate that you're a winning, like it doesn't connotate you're a winning team. And actually there's more losing teams that are running too much in the first quarter. Cause what ends up happening is that when the lions face a better team, they rush the ball, end up getting to the 28-yard line, kick a field goal, and then the other team comes back and gets a touchdown, right? And then they're, oh, but they're down seven to three, so they continue to rush the ball more and then end up punting, and now they're down 14 to three, but it's the second quarter. We can come right. back from 11, so we'll run the ball on second and 10 for no reason, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we, so we could set up a third and seven. Cause you, we all know that third and seven and third and 10 are so dramatically different situations to be in. And then if we're the Steelers and we're on third and seven, we're going to make sure to throw a five yard pass. Yeah, absolutely. By <laughs> and then punt think. on fourth and two from the opposing 45 yard line. And you wonder why you're losing games
2: to close out this segment in the first quarter, the highest pass rates, number one, Arizona makes sense number two Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Buffalo Chargers Chargers Yeah. number four Miami Miami has been high pass rate all year so yes kudos to them and then Kansas City and then Las Vegas who looked good at start and then the Rams and then Cincinnati and then Buffalo and then the Giants Giants should be a better team uh but they're they're not and then Cleveland at 64. Yeah, if it's also even Daniel Cleveland. Jones throwing the ball, Daniel, it's a lot of passing in the first quarter because he's throwing it to the other team. <laughs> <laughs> but even Cleveland, I mean, this is one of the reasons why Cleveland has a decent identity here. Cleveland overall has a, has only a 57% pass rate overall. Um, it's one of the lowest in the league, but in the first quarter, they are still one of like the top 10 teams in pass rate, because what they do is they pass set up tempo and then start running after they've established themselves in the game. They understand, like, Stefanski's not an idiot. If they, ha- if they had anybody but Baker Mayfield, like well, not anybody, but if they had an upgrade from Baker Mayfield, Cleveland would be, like, so good. Stefanski's good. They're smart. They have a great rushing game. They have a good O-line. They have a competent defense. But they have Baker Mayfield. So they're, they're just not Super Bowl contenders because Baker Mayfield is, is – he's like the 20th best QB in the league did you see the last pass that cam newton threw yesterday
1: no i didn't you have to look it up <laughs> you have to i i almost want to show it on the i no one could tell me that he didn't purposely just want to end the game he literally <laughs> just threw it to the defender i mean like like this is not I, I don't know is it on twitter can i find this it, it was it was the, it was probably the most absurd pass i've ever seen an nfl quarterback make because I, I, you, you could not convince me that he either thought that the that the uh, the Bills player was his receiver, or he just was sick of tired of. They were down two scores late in the game. Like it, it was, it was, it was just like he just threw it to the other guy. Like,
2: like, I mean, there's I, I, there's some pretty bad passes here. Not his last one yet, but yeah, there's this pass to Robbie Anderson that he just like throws it into the ground. <laughs>
1: I don't know. It was.
2: Looking latest instead of top. I wonder if we can. uh... Oh, but did you see that he ran for 71 yards yesterday? Oh, wow. He's back. Dude, he's been back. There's that gif. Where is this throw? We're not going to find it. Oh. Well, this is
1: 2020 where the. Oh, I, look it up somewhere. I don't know. I'm not gonna look it up on the show. I, I was watching on Red Zone, and they're just like, okay, the, the Panthers. It's it's like a minute left in the game. They're down by two touchdowns or whatever. And Cam Newton drops back because I'm rooting for DJ Moore for my for my Buffalo stacks. And dude, like he passed back in a complete clean pocket, just cl- cl- threw an eight like an eight yard pass, like just like whatever receiver Robbie Anderson whatever was like ten yards away, like like not even close. I mean, he under, like, it doesn't even look like he underthrew it. It he, he looked like he had the same amount of zip that he would have if he wanted to throw it directly to the cornerback. And he just like, literally, he looked him straight in the eye and just said, here you go. And then got off the field and said, okay, I guess we're done. Now.
2: I I don't know, man. I, I feel so. I've been a Panthers fan since Jake DeLone was QB. So I'm Terry Collins. Oh my god, so long. Um it's been a rough tenure as a Panthers fan. I do have a Panthers jersey. I don't consider myself an actual fan of very many teams, but I have since I was young liked the Panthers and this has been the last couple of years have been rough. Cuz I don't even I don't even like Christian McCaffrey all that much. I thought it was a bad draft pick to begin with. And now he's dead so now it's just cam newton and the corpse of christian mccaffrey and what i assume to be robbie anderson although you wouldn't i would believe you if you said that it was waterboy instead and it's just all bad and uh i don't understand how people can be like super fans and go through this and like let their emotions be dictated by these kind of things i would see how people can be fans it's hard <laughs> it sucks it's not fun there's nothing fun about being a fan uh- Everyone was was uh, hip hip hooraying
1: because of the, the all the postponements. And like we get NFL football on Saturday, Sunday, Monday and Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday. Did you see the games yesterday? This is awful. You I, wanna, I, now I, you want to uh, watch it without with commercials and stoppages. What I are we saw, talking
2: about here? I saw that it was eight games in 10 days. And I looked at Margaret and I was like, hey, baby, guess what? There's eight NFL games. There's eight days of NFL games in the next 10 days. And she just looked at me. She said, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> uh, people in chat wanted to know what, what, what projection you had for Huntley. Oh, for, for Huntley.
1: I had oh, 17.36 in my aggregate. You had what? 17.36. I uh, 19. Okay. So, you know, it, it was a great play at that point. I had him as, from a salary-adjusted value standpoint, I had him as the sixth sixth highest on the slate. Uh,
2: from a salary-adjusted standpoint,
1: I had I do that. the fourth. Okay. Yeah, because you're two points higher. The problem was is that I who would have I mean, if you're going to pair him with anyone, it would have been Andrews. And,
2: and I had Andrews as the top overall projected tight end.
1: So it makes higher
2: than Kittle? No, yep. Well, like the same, like exactly the same. 0.2 off. So okay. I mean, I, I was fine with, with Baltimore. I, I wrote basically like Andrews projects very, very well, and he's a little bit underpriced here. Um, and I don't think he projected for all that much ownership. Yeah, he didn't. Um, and I was fine with him, but I did give the caveat that it's like this is Tyler Huntley, not Lamar Jackson. And uh, I understand if you want to say, oh, that projection is too high. Like, I I said to myself even, and I noted it in the article, like, my projection for Jeff Wilson is low, but, like, I know that I'm under-projecting him. So I am going to, like, ride him, even though the projection says that he's only projected for, like, 11 points. Like, I want to take another shot on him because the usage is there. It just hasn't materialized yet. So there were a couple – I mean, I,
1: I, Hunt, I was never going to play Hunt. I wasn't. I
2: was not going to play. Huntley.
1: I'm not gonna. i I. don't. I. In the long run, I'm not going to play stacks of teams that only have 18 point implied totals.
2: No, I totally understand. I get it. Pay hey, for the my... lines,
1: right? Like, why didn't you play a golf? Like, like anyone that's looking and going, why didn't I play Huntley? I'm going to say, why didn't you play golf? Because someone's going to go, well, how do you play golf? Well, I'm going to say the same thing. How do you play? I mean, right? I, I. I just look at the numbers and go. I'm looking for ceilings and I need to pair them with someone. So Huntley, Huntley, Andrews Adams, I guess is viable. But why do I want the, Why do I want Huntley when I I'd rather have the Rogers side? I mean, like you right. like in general, correlation-wise, if we took all the data from now till the past, whatever, forever, to implied team totals dictate the highest why projections are the way they are. Yep. Teams that score the most points run the most plays and score the most and be in the red zone to score more completions, more plays, more efficiency. Like so many people get strung up with oh in garbage time. Like you don't want if you're if you have a stack and they're in garbage time that's bad for you. You want the stack that has already put up 45 points. You want the other right. team in garbage time. Like even though you do see some receivers like oh the Cole Beasley gets there because he has eight passes in the last two drives. That doesn't correlate to a ceiling outcome for a stack. Right. You want, you want, if you, if you have Cole Beasley, you don't want garbage time. You want Cole Beasley to have two touchdowns, four catches, 50 yards, two touchdowns, and Josh Allen to have five passing touch. Like you, so what, who's more likely to do that? The teams that have the highest
2: implied team tone. The problem that people run into is they're like, Oh, well now my stack has garbage time. it's like, no, no, no. You don't want your quarterback to have garbage time. You want your wide receiver to have garbage time? It's fine if Cole Beasley gets there with eight catches on the last two drives. But like, hopefully you had Cole Beasley as the comeback stack to the other team that now already has 45 points. But it's the same thing. Like the, the only thing that I would add to that and the reason why I played a Pittsburgh stack, which I still don't want to talk about, but they were implied for 1.86 passing touchdowns, which was the fifth best on the slate. Right. Because they have such a high pass rate in the red zone. That's the only thing that will add in context of team totals. Other than that, like, if you blindly just stacked the highest team totals on every slate and just optimized for the values outside of them, like every You'll you'll probably be profitable, You'd be fine, you'd be fine. It, It even worked on this slate with Buffalo, with Gabriel Davis and Devontae Parker and Jeff Wilson. And like, all you needed outside of that was like Mark Andrews and like fading Stefan Biggs, I guess but I I digress. Yeah. Just play, just play teams with high totals. Don't, don't stack really terrible teams. It it usually doesn't work out. I always say like, even if a terrible quarterback projects, well, like I had Trevor Lawrence projecting pretty well this week. Right. Even if a terrible quarterback projects, well, I'm like one, a very deep GPP play. Like if you have 20 lineups, you can have a Trevor Lawrence sign up Two. I'm much more likely to just use his wide receivers as a secondary correlation or as a game stack correlation to the other side, because I don't want to take shots on these guys that are terrible. It just doesn't make much sense.
1: Not not in the state of today's game. It it used to. Vomit stacks made more sense when we had running backs like Le'Veon Bell Mm -hmm. and David Johnson. When we had 9K running backs that, that would regularly put up 35 to 40 points, and the only way to jam both of them in is by playing a Vomit stack, right? right.
2: Like, because you still have a median expectation that is acceptable to be able to take on the leverage of the Vomit stack. like you, Right, you like if I get two ceiling, if I'm, if I'm
1: able to play McCaffrey and peak Saquon Barkley or something like that, you know, and their median projections are like 28 each, Yeah. right? 26 and 28. It's like, if I get a 40 out of both of them, like the only way to fit both of them in is with a cheap quarterback a cheap tight end and at least one cheap wide receiver. And it's like, well, can I get a median outcome out of a stack? Can I play the lion stack and get enough? All I need now is both of my running backs to put up ceiling scores. And I'm good. Cause the only way to do that is with some pretty shitty team and, you know, and putting, putting means- up, putting up, Three touchdowns. Like I don't need five touchdowns. I need three touchdowns. Get the right guys. But the problem is that we don't have running back flat. Like, we don't have guys like that anymore. We don't.
2: And that's no, the concept in MLB behind vomit stacks is to be able to fit Aaron the Judge, two, the, the two, and and DJ LeMahieu as like a three man, and then you also stack the Marlins. Right, and and also you have two ace pitchers. Like it, yeah.
1: it used to. Right, you'd, like I'm going to play Degrom and Cole in the same lineup. It's like, well, how the hell do you fit that in? By like stacking back. the Pirates, right? I mean, <laughs> like that, that's, that's the way that you do it. Yeah. Right? So it's not about the vomit stack. It's about the construction in general. And the way that NFL DFS is now, we don't, there's no, there's no, I mean, even, and I don't consider Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams to even be those guys either. No. We don't have those, like, those 35-touch running backs with, with minus with 250 Anytime goals, you know, anytime right, touchdown like right. that, that also that get 10 targets like like those seasons for Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Tomlinson, if you want to go even further back and then Sean Alexander, even. I mean, like we we just don't have those. Right. We don't have Emmett Smith and Thurman Thomas. We don't we don't have those guys. Anymore. Right. In fact, most likely, if you play those guys and you play them at nine K, they're going to get injured at some point in the game.
2: Most likely, they're going to go on IR, and then they're going to come off, and then get injured again, and then get COVID. So, right, welcome to season-long football. A lot of football talk today. Yeah, I thought this was fun. We know we didn't. We never do this. We never actually talk about the sport because we're spreadsheet nerds,
1: right? Because we're right, we're spreadsheet virgins as (laughs) left. Right, but if you want to learn how to play the game, not the sport, game of DFS theory of daily fantasy sports, how to think like a professional DFS player. Available theoryofdfs.com. James, you're at paydirt underscore DFS. And I am at Blender HD. And uh, sign up for roto Premium so you can join the Blender's Game Theory channel in the Discord. We have, we, we're, we're having Zoom calls nearly every week, group coach calls. And uh, the next one is tomorrow. So click on the link in the description. Uh, get $10 off your first month of Roto-Grinders Premium. And join the Discord. Join the Blender's Game Theory channel and uh, you get like private coaching in you know, a group setting on on zoom so that'll be tomorrow and then i will be back on on thursday right nba dude i how, how does anyone i mean i i've been watching the twitter of of, of the the news and nba like are how it, it, the way this continues how christmas the christmas slate is is all is all staggered games how is that?
2: I, I, how is that even playable? It's not. I mean, Df, NBA DFS right now is hardly playable as is. Hardly I mean, hard. it's play. It understand that if if
1: you, if you want to if you want to extend your mental energy to the power of the sun, there's extensive edge that you could have in NBA DFS. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But understand that, like, it, it like you're gonna you're gonna need a piss cup. You can't get up from your like at any at any the guy that's supposed to be in cuz the other guy got covid is now out for an injury 3 minutes before this game and then the starting lineups aren't even correct cuz no one knows that they're signing four guys off the street the day
2: of. You know how hard it is to build projections when half of the slate is off the G League? <laughs> half the slate wasn't even in the G. League. I mean I
1: I tweeted out James you, you you must have saw that. It seems like I I looked I I did a glance even though i'm not playing nba dfs until football season's over i, I looked at the rot. like i looked at the injury report and the injury report was like 12 pages long and then i looked at the active who is active for these teams and i swear like like i know i play nba dfs so it's not like i follow the nba but i know like all the the main players for the team i mean because i roster them because i'm building lineups and everything i look through these the ross i'm like like dude like almost half these players i've literal i've never seen these names before and it felt like like playing nba live in like franchise mode and going i'm gonna just simulate 15 seasons as they create new rookies like each year and then it's like oh you get like 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 the 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 unknown guy from the beginning is like now the star and then you have all these other people and it's like yeah that that's what jordan noira feels like right? right like like what like he's the guy that has all the good ratings it's oh yeah because he's a 36 year old you know all-star but all these other computer generated players are here it's like how how is it how can you some of these teams and their rotations how is it even possible to even come close well and, and the anything? thing is
2: that like you put together these projections the best that you can and then the Sixers exist and the Sixers will literally just scratch like Tyrese Maxey it was the other day. It was like four minutes before slate lock. Their injury report has been out and updated multiple times. Tyrese maxi is not on this injury report. And then he gets ruled out with a quad injury four minutes for lock. And it's like, did he trip? Like, did he fall off the bus? Like what, what happened to where he gets scratched? Joel Embiid has an, in, has a rib injury that is bad enough to sideline him for multiple games not on the injury report, gets ruled out with a rib injury after (laughs) lock. They don't care. They don't care about our DFS teams. They don't care. care. Weren't there like integrity fees that were supposed to be tacked on to these teams? Like, how is this happening? I hate it so much. I will be like, if I have NBA DFS at Patriot next year, I will be surprised because I hate it.
1: No, but that's that's the main reason why I'm not playing till, till football season is done, and you, even even after then, who knows? No, after that,
2: dude, just play League of Legends and Counter Strike. Like, you don't even need NBA DFS ever again. You don't even need it.
1: You know, I'll, I'll think about it. I mean, it's coming closer to that type of choice of like, I, dude, I've got the best
2: projections for esports over at Vader. Just come get a sub, I promise. So go go there if you want
1: that. Sign up to Roto Grinders if you want this. But I'll I'll see I'll see you on Thursday. For another edition of the DFS pregame show, answering your DFS strategy questions as always on rotogrinders.com.